And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me on the Zoom line today is Pastor Mark Diedrich. Uh, Mark, it's great to have you back with us today. Yeah, good to be with you. It's a little bit different than not sitting in your studio. But, That's uh, right. <laughs> well, you just came through uh, COVID, so uh, I didn't really yes. want you sitting right here. You're you're fully recovered, and yes. I don't th- I don't think you're uh, that I would catch anything from you. But anyway, we're just taking a precaution. So anyway, it's great to see you today. <laughs> Good to see you, Dan. And it's uh, nice to have a Zoom so I can actually right. see you with your radio announcer headphones there. Yeah, I um, the way I've got this little tiny studio organized, I look in one direction, but the little computer is in the other. So you're seeing the side of me and. Fortunately, you can't see my belly or else it would stick way out. Um, Yeah, so this is an important time of the Christian calendar for me and for you, because uh, tomorrow is Reformation Day. That's right. It's Reformation Day. It's interesting, Dan, how we miss so many of the holidays, and so how many of the holidays have been co-opted? Oh, that's a good point. If we look at Christmas, you know, what is Christmas about? It's the Incarnation. What an incredible thing, right? Yes. God with us. And then the other day I was in uh, one of the stores, and they already got the Christmas stuff out. And I'm thinking, whoa. Yeah. (laughs) And all this Christmas stuff. And what's it all about? It's about the money they're going to make. Santa Claus, snowmen. It's all about everything. And, And even like the Advent calendar. You know, I remember when I was growing up, we get the Advent calendar, and there is usually a scene of the the manger and, yes. and everyone, and you'd open these little doors, and either there'd be a scripture verse, or there would be, you know, yeah. one of the characters that may have come like the, the wise men, or maybe you'd have the shepherds, or, or all of these different things that related to the Christmas story. And now what are the Advent calendars? We just got a bunch of them for our kids. They're Legos. There you go. You know, they, they have nothing to do with the Christmas yes. story. And it's just Easter. You come down to Easter and you have Easter Bunny and it's, you know, it's the great chocolate and jelly bean holiday. So you have that co-option there as well. And so the obvious connection is um, here during Reformation Day, nobody's talking about the Reformation out in no. the world. They're talking about Halloween. and That's it. Uh, there's a lot of spooky junk out there many times, and I don't like it at all. But um, I don't either. here we are. But here's one of the greatest things that especially we as evangelical Christians should be celebrating, because it was a turning point. It was. In the history of the world. The Reformation was so important. Of course, the day that is picked is All Saints Day. That's the day that Luther nailed the 95 Theses on the uh, Wittenberg church door or next to the church door in 1517. Mm-hmm. And so in 2017, we had the 500th anniversary yes. of that. So, But I've always contended you have to understand Luther was— a work in progress, you know, God was working on him. And when he nailed the 95 theses on the Wittenberg door, his primary concern was the sale of indulgences. Johann Tetzel, who actually didn't get into Wittenberg, but stayed on the outskirts and people would buy these indulgences so that they could avoid purgatory or spring their relatives out of purgatory, he had this little ditty, when the coin in the coffer rings, then the soul from purgatory springs. And Luther's like, 
outrageous. You're paying the money for a piece of paper and you're getting people out of Yeah, prison. it's not in the scriptures, is it's it? It's not in the scripture. It doesn't make any sense. Did they really believe that? At this time, Luther still was holding on to the doctrine of purgatory. Yes, okay. You know, and so he hadn't fully developed. And, and as soon as he wrote the 95 Theses and then things got going back and forth and, and things got debate we won't get into all of it but especially in 1519 mm -hmm. he had what was called the leipzig disputation with a man by the name of johannes Eck. now johannes Eck was a great debater he actually started the debate with andreas von karlstadt karlstadt was kind of a he was a good scholar but he he needed all his books in front of him mm -hmm. and he was very slow in response and Eck was really fast you know <laughs> And, and Carl said, would start leafing through his books. And finally, X said, uh, we're changing the rules to this debate. He said, uh, no books, no books. Oh, my. And, and, and so that put Carlstadt at a disadvantage. And sure. then finally, uh, Eck really wanted Luther anyhow. And so finally, Carlstadt backed out. Luther comes in and they go at it. And they go at it. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this is an interesting thing. Luther's still developing here, you know, and Eck says, you're nothing more than a follower of Jan Haas. Hmm. And that's like calling somebody a Nazi, you know? Hmm. Oh, and Luther, that, oh, no, no. Yeah, you're a follower of Haas. So they had a lunch break. And lunch break wasn't a half hour, it was like several hours. Mm-hmm. Luther goes over to the library in Leipzig and looks at all the accounts of the Council of Constance and John Huss's works. He comes back to the debate and he says, you know what? Huss had a lot of good things to say. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he finally realizes he's agreeing with Huss and John Wycliffe. Uh, yes. You know, both of those, uh, and Wycliffe even before Huss, and Huss had, had picked up on, you know, of course, Lou Wycliffe had translated the Bible from the Latin into the English at the end of the 14th century. Boy, that was significant. It was very significant, mm. but of course it got condemned. And, you know, if you had a copy of it, not only would your copy be taken and burned, but you would probably Wow. You well. know what? That sounds familiar, Mark. Um, yeah. We have cases today, not theological, where if you take a position publicly, and it doesn't quite fit the position of the oligarchs, if you can call them that, they shut down your account, they cancel yeah. you, they yep. refuse you from membership in one of the online forums. And uh, it's interesting that human nature hasn't changed very much. No, it hasn't. It has not. And so we had this debate, and Luther's really developing. And, of course, he's hitting Eck with scriptures and scriptures and the early fathers. Eck is better on the later fathers. He doesn't know the early fathers very well. And when he gets into scriptures, you can tell he's not a very good exegete. Mm. And so, of course, it was two years later before they had an actual judgment on the debate. And Eck won, of course. Mm -hmm. You know, the universities were not going to give it to Luther. But that brings us pretty much to uh, 1521. And finally, Luther's caused so much of a stir that they have the Diet of Worms. And if you look at the way it's written, W-O-R-M-S, the Diet of Worms, and, you know, that would give anybody indigestion, right? <laughs> so you've got this Diet of Worms, which is, these are the governing officials. The Holy Roman Emperor Charles V is there. Luther is there. They're not allowing him to defend his works. They're just asking him 
if he wants to recant. Oh. But he's not the only one there. Frederick the Wise from Wittenberg is there. John Frederick is there. There are a number of the German princes that are there who brought Luther to Wittenberg, to to his university. And so Luther has a safe passage. And so he goes there, even though he's been excommunicated Mm -hmm. with a papal bull ex surge domine, you know, (laughs) uh, which means, oh, God, arise. There is a there is a wild boar in your <laughs> vineyard, you know. I'm laughing, too, because as you speak, Mark, I, I look over my right shoulder, and there you sit, and uh, this stuff is just off the top of your head. So it's it amazes me that you've got all these dates and names and everything, and they just kind of roll off the top of your head. Uh, but keep going. Don't let me interrupt you. <laughs> it, it's something I've studied, and it, it's really – It's neat. I think it's fascinating. It's Absolutely fascinating. And so finally, they, they get him there, and his first answer is basically, are you going to recant these? Are these all your books? Are you going to recant them? And Luther's first answer is, let me think about it. In <laughs> so many words. Let me have 24 hours. Can I have 24 hours? Well, that's wise, they, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So they said, yes, you can have the 24 hours. They, they begrudgingly gave him the 24 hours. And so then he comes in the next day. And they basically ask him the same question. Now, Luther was hoping to debate and explain these things. Sure. Um, that actually happened at a different diet nine years later. Okay. It was called the Diet of Augsburg. Luther was not actually at the Diet of Augsburg Hmm. because he was condemned. And so he stayed in a safe city outside. And the guy who led the Diet of Augsburg was uh, Philip Melanchthon. Okay. And Philip Melanchthon, and and of course, these are all the German princes now, and they're sitting there and they're saying, well, what should we be believing? And so Melanchthon writes up and develops what is called the Augsburg Confession. Okay. And it gives arguments, this is what we believe. And it's a great confession. All Protestants should should read that Augsburg Confession. Well, you notice I, I, I'm observing something here. Um, the leaders of that day, back in the early 1500s, um, that you're describing, to them it was very important to figure out what they believed. Yes. Now, that's another contrast to today. The leaders, like, allow, oh, well, you want this, you want that, you want Satanism. Yeah. I don't really care. Yeah. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't, because some of the leaders were, okay. whatever the Catholic Church says, we do it. Right. You know? I'm sorry, I was just about ready to get political. Oh, no, you know, go ahead. I, th- yeah. Feel free. It's you just know, like today. Is, whatever Anthony Fauci says, we'll do it. Oh, there's so much truth there. Yes. <laughs> and it's like... Wait a second. There are other better things here. But that's the way it was for many of these these rulers is whatever the Roman Catholic Church says, we will do it. You know, and of course, they lived all kinds of immoral lives. I want to preface this, too. I think um, we, we had another interview and uh, the, the fact came out that the Reformation actually did affect our modern day thinking that's going on within the Roman Catholic Church. It did. So that the thinking has been refined. So um, it's actually been a good thing. And also we have many 
uh, brothers and sisters within that fellowship. Right. And so um, when we stand against something like we're facing right now in America with taking away our constitutional republic and a movement to do that, Mm-hmm. Um, we're very much on on the same side right. uh, as these uh, Roman Catholic brothers and sisters, and yet at the same time, it's not a but, it's, it's and, at the same time, refinement is always good as we get back closer and closer to the Bible alone. Right. And, and what, what happened in, during the Reformation, of course, one of the things that was undeniable was the immorality of the Roman Catholic Church. And the Church says, you know, even though we're not going to agree with Luther, we need to have our own councils and figure out right. some of the things that have really gone wrong. And that was the Council of Trent. Now, Council okay. of Trent did some good things, and it did some not so good things, but sure. theologically. But there was, as you pointed out, a reformation of the Roman Catholic Church at this time yeah. as well, because of what Luther had done. It's interesting. And so, so we have that. And of course, this Augsburg Confession, and you had this great debate, and one of the princes— who was sitting there with Johannes Eck. This is Augsburg now. William of Bavaria. And Melanchthon's giving this presentation, and it sounds so good, and he's got so many good scriptures. (laughs) And he looks at Eck, and he says, can you refute that? (laughs) And Eck says, well, if I use the fathers, if I I can get the fathers, I can refute it. And finally, William of Bavaria says, so then I'm to understand they have the scriptures and we do not. Oh, wow. That's a, a lightning bolt. That's amazing. And, and it, it, it was exactly right. And But goes back to this diet of arms here, and it's Luther's response. Mm. And so finally, on the second day when he's responding, and initially he starts off and he says, okay, well, I've got some of my writings are of a different sort. And he said, uh, some of them, even my enemies agree they're good and useful, and there's a lot of truth. He says, I can't recant them. No. Because there's truth in them. And then he says, then I attacked the Pope, but, you know, all I said was true. All I'm asking, you know, is when Jesus was on trial, he says, if ever anything I said was false, you let me know what it was. That's basically the bottom line. And that's basically what Luther is saying. Just let me know what it is, you know. And then he says, I attacked some people, and I may have attacked them a little too hard because I'm a sinner after all, anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> admitting his own sin. And, and, he, and he said, but the fact of the matter is what I said was true, and I cannot recant that either. Yes. So I can't recant any of this. And so, so we finally have this answer, you know, and finally he gets done with it. And there's a different Johannes sect here. He's a spokesman for it, but it's a different Johannes sect. And he turns around and he basically says, you haven't answered the question. And so this is the, <laughs> this is the answer, and I'll read it. So Luther answered, he said, since then, your serene majesty and your lordship seek a simple answer. I will give it in this manner, neither horned nor toothed, unless I am convinced by the testimony of scriptures or by clear reason, for I do not trust either the Pope or in councils alone, since it is well known that they have often erred and contradicted themselves. I am bound by the scriptures. I have quoted, and my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not retract anything, since it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. I cannot do otherwise. Here I stand. May God help me. Mm. Amen. That's his answer. Man, listen to what he's saying. 
He's saying, I can't go. I'm, I'm captive by the word yes. of God. You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of one of the great confessions in Scripture. And if you look at John chapter 6, and this is what we call the bread of life passage, mm-hmm. where Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. You know, you, you have to eat me and drink me. And, and yes. you know, this is, and after he got done with that, they said a lot of the people who have normally followed them didn't follow them. Oh, I remember that. Yes. And, and so we have it in John 6, starting at verse 66. And he said, after this, many of the disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Amen. You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Amen. What a confession. Amen. What a confession. And this is what this is what Luther was doing. He's saying, I'm captive to the word of God. This is the truth. These are the words of eternal life. How can I deny them? To deny them is to deny God. Yes. You know, we live in a day and an age today that I fear for so many people. I mean, first off, the word of God is not read like it was, mm-hmm. even when I was younger. And even in the church, yes. you know, how, how do we adhere to God's word? That's a very good how point. How valuable is it? And the contrast there of one group of people realizing the words of Jesus were too hard, and they they just walk away. You can almost see them in your mind's yep. eye. They're just they're just fleeing. They're just walking away. And another group of people, where God has done a work in their hearts, it's like a magnet. It can't be it separated. It's attracted to that other great. In this case, greater magnet being yep. God Himself. And we have no place to go. You are speaking right. uh, the words of God straight from the throne, and and right. and this is where we belong. Now I'm looking at the clock. We've got about five minutes left. Time has really flown. Today we're talking with Pastor Mark Diedrich. I, I'm amazed how you've got these dates and names all memorized, and you can talk about them off the top of your head. Let's um, finalize some thoughts here in the next four or five okay. minutes. So here's what happens. Luther leaves. Luther leaves the Diet of Arms, and on his way, he is kidnapped. <laughs> but he is kidnapped by John Frederick, the son of Frederick the Wise, and taken to the Wartburg Castle. He is kidnapped for his own safety. Mm. He is given the name Junkers George. Junkers is a knight, Knight George. What does Luther do at the Wartburg Castle? Do you, do you remember, Dan? No, I don't. He translates the New Testament into oh, German. Oh, that's neat. To the common language. That's what he did. He not only stood on the Word of God, but he realized everybody needed the Word of God. Mm. And so he translated the New Testament. It wasn't until he, he finished the New Testament in a year, wow. you know, and by, by 1522, he had finished it. It was 1535 before he finished the Old Testament hmm. as well, but he got the Word of God in the people's hands, and it's so precious. It is. And one of the things, if I say there's anything that is lacking in the church today is a commitment to God's Word and to know it and to study it and to catechize our kids in it mm-hmm. and to make sure we, we, we really know it and know it well and follow it. 
Yeah. I remember years ago, there was a big blow up in the Lutheran church. This was a Lutheran church, Missouri Synod, the Lutheran church, oh, yes. the conservative Lutherans, you know, the Lutheran hour, the ones who still believe the Bible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, John Teachin, I think it was 1973, maybe, somewhere's in there, uh, John Teachin, who is, the, I believe, the president at, at Concordia, was teaching that God's word is not inerrant. Hmm. And the leaders of the Lutheran Church, uh, the Priest Brothers, uh, they said we got to get rid of him. <laughs> well, it caused a big hullabaloo. Oh, you're just you're just being mean bullies. No, they kicked him out, rightfully so, because well, you know John Vance. John uh, oh, yeah. asked about that, and and John said uh, he knew one of the students that was at Concordia at that time, and. and he had asked him, he says, he's supposed to sign a statement. And the student said, yeah, we asked him about it. He says, I, I lie. Isn't that amazing? I lie. I, just, I signed the statement and lie. You know, so they kicked him out. And during that whole debate, by the way, at that time, I was a Lutheran. Yeah. And, and that, that whole debate, one of the guys said, you know, we're standing up for the word of God. We're standing that, that this is God's inerrant word. Maybe we ought to read it. Oh, amen. <laughs> and he said, yeah, if we're going to stand, we need to stand, not just say, I believe God's word, but we need to read it and use it in our lives. And it needs to be the warp and the woof of, of our everyday living. That's a great illustration, a great way to wrap up our discussion today. Tomorrow is Reformation Day, and it's an important day in the Christian yep. church. It's even important for Roman Catholics. Uh, yes. Maybe you don't feel the same um, <laughs> inclination toward it, but it's important to recognize that adjustments have been made even within that uh, group of fellowship. Um, but for the uh, Protestants, uh, this is the origins uh, mm -hmm. of the movement. And to not love the Reformation is to not love who you are. That's right. So um, please uh, learn more about it. And at this time of um, our own country going through some turmoil right now, it is good to remind ourselves that the religious people in America at the time of America's war for independence, they believe that civil officers are inherently sinful. And as the Reformation brought out the biblical truth, that God had ordained lesser magistrates who would intervene when a ruler became despotic. And this doctrine known as the doctrine of the lesser magistrate gave the American colonists a theological basis for resistance to Great Britain. So, um, Mark, I want to thank you very much for joining us today and um, pray that the Lord will bless you and your wife and family and your ministry as uh, you work for him. My pleasure, Dan. Lord's blessing on you and Deb and, and the whole Redeemer family there. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amidst the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe,
Bye. 